Welcome, everyone, to a new decade. A lot has changed since we last talked to you, but the Let's Run podcast is here yet again with a slight change. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson, and welcome to the first podcast of the year. I'm joined by my identical twin brother, fellow co-founder Weldon Johnson, but folks, breaking news to report, Jonathan Galter, a staff writer, the man who actually provides the facts in this podcast, will not be with us. We actually gave him vacation. Yes, John is in the UK. We purposely scheduled this podcast when we'd be on a plane so we could not call in. Actually, that part isn't true. I think the tip jar was hit with so much funds, he decided, why not? I'll take off to Britain, spend it all. I said, John, don't spend all your tips in one place, but we want to think of those of you that did donate last week to Jonathan's tip jar. We will be doubling it and giving it to him shortly. And we'll have John on next week to confirm that he has gotten the tips. But yes, 2020 is here. And where to begin, folks? I think we should begin, well then, by giving people some rare insight into the back end of Let's Run.com. I've done some research over the last few days. I have the most popular threads and articles of both the last year and last decade. I will share as much of that information as you allow, as you allow me to. I know you don't want me giving away trade secrets of how we make money here. But folks, it was a record-breaking year. I am pleased to report the numbers are in. We broke our all-time page views by like just over 1.5%. So that is good to be going up and not down. But of course, our families are expanding at a greater rate than 1.5%. Recently added a child. Hopefully we can have even a bigger, better year in 2020 with the Olympics. It should have been up 4%, right? I mean, that would have been, I think, a little more apropos for 2020 or 2019, excuse me. But yeah, this podcast... There's a little action on on the roads this weekend. We had the annual New Year's Ekaden from Japan. Some crazy times there. Mary Kane, she's back racing again. She's already the, the top thread of 2020. So we'll talk about a little about that, but also a little bit look back at, as Robert said, top threads of the year, top content of the year, and of the decade as well. And the part I'm most looking forward to, I'm going to put you on the spot, Weldon. We're going to play a game looking ahead. To the Olympics, who's more likely to win a gold medal? Say Emma Coburn or Evan Jager. Lots of people, lots of lots of scenarios there to quiz you on. And I actually texted them to Jonathan Galt, so I'll be sharing his answers as well. But we do seriously want to listen, give a shout out to John. It's rare for him to take a vacation. He's always like volunteering to work on the weekends. Like if there's Foot Locker, it's just like, John, you're going to be writing about this? Oh, yeah, it's a big race. It, it, I feel like guilty not working on the weekends because my employee like volunteers to work on the weekends. Yep, thanks to everyone, John, Eric, Steve, the Let's Run.com crew, Lars as well. It was a great year at Let's Run, and big thank to everyone out there uh, in our audience. You know, you guys make Let's Run what it is, and it's a very special community. It, it's great. It's, I don't know, I love Let's Run, obviously, I love forums. There's just so much wisdom on the forums, and I'm sure that there's problems from time to time, but you were seeing, I was seeing a lot of these articles in the last week or last day, and they're like, was this the greatest decade ever in the history of the world? And so many people are just appalled by that. They're like, oh, no, there's all these problems. And then when you start thinking about it, you're like, uh, yeah, it probably was the greatest decade ever in the history of the world. I guess there may be another way to put it. If you could be born at any time in the world, when would you want to be born? And I think for most people, they would say right now. Even though the world is far from perfect and Letron is far from perfect, I love both things. And just a shout out to our visitors and listeners, and we want to keep getting better in 2020. 
Yes, my New Year's resolution is to real resolution is to really focus on the moderation of the message board. But your comment, Weldon, of how you love how you love forums really struck me. I, I think people focus on the negative one or two percent on there and not the positive. I mean, where else in life can you get like unvarnished opinion from other people? Like, even if you ask, you know, your girlfriend or your spouse, like, how do I look? They may not even tell you the truth because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Whereas on the internet, you know, there, there's a stranger will probably likely tell you the exact truth on that. So it's kind of interesting how that works. You know, there's both, there's both positives and, and negatives to that. But let's get into it. And I'm going to start by focusing on the most popular articles of the last year. I'm going to do that because I'm going to give myself a pat on the back, folks. Jonathan writes the vast majority of the articles, folks, but I know what the people want. Uh, coming into the year, I was responsible for the most popular, most read article in the history of Let's Run.com, or at least that we have stats for. It's possible Weldon's training article, Why I Sucked in College, could have beaten it because it's been along for longer. But it was called American Strong, and it was about Matt Kifleisi's Boston win, the untold story. That has been knocked off this year by several articles. But I'm pleased to report that Weldon, despite me not writing nearly as much, I'd say one-tenth of the articles of John... I am at the top spot yet again. Don't leave us hanging. What is the number one? What no one is telling you about Caster Semenya. She has XY chromosomes. Folks, it's kind of interesting. Some of these most popular articles remind me of songs. Like, by the time a song goes number one, everyone's tired of it. By the time I wrote this article, I assumed that like most people were already tired of Caster Semenya. But I realized the average person in the world had no idea who Caster Semenya was. And when they did read about her, they weren't getting the true story. No one was saying, people were saying naturally love high levels of testosterone. They weren't saying that she has XY chromosomes is believed to have internal testes. And I just put that fact out there. I guess Google really liked it because it was a, a, a unique factual article. And it crushed it in terms of page views. The next most popular, these are several hundreds of thousands of page views for these, for these articles. I think Jonathan wrote this one. The world's fastest man may be banned from the Olympics and world championships, analyzing the Christian Coleman situation. Well, then, do you think that was, I mean, we're primarily a distance website. I assume that was, once again, the power of Google taking over and putting us. I think our article was actually ahead of, who broke that story? Was it the Times of London or Daily Mail? We were actually ahead of them in Google, which is kind of crazy. I don't remember that one. I remember wondering if we were getting some bot attacks, because that one was surprisingly popular. But sometimes stuff, you know, takes off on social media or via the internet search or whatever. And obviously on our own site, I mean, we get a million and a half unique visitors a month, but people clicking through an article, you're not going to get hundreds of thousands from one article. So it's really got to take off elsewhere for an article to get a ton of traffic in just, you know, like a week or a couple of days. But in the decade, in some ways, it's somewhat appropriate that Castro Semenya was number one. Because a lot of these issues, ugh, I mean, I just wasn't very informed about. Castor Semenya was running in 2009. First time I ever saw her was at the World Championships in Berlin. And it was very eye-opening. But just inter inter intersex people, I, I didn't know that concept really. And then also now you have sort of, I don't know if we should say it's a related issue, but like transgender athletes and sports, sort of these sort of social issues that, that transformed over into – our sport were big stories in the last decade. So it's kind of appropriate last year, the decade that the Castor Semenya article was number one. Yeah, by a long shot. I mean, it was seven times more popular than our fourth best article, fourth most popular article of Bridget Coast Guy, 21404 in Chicago. And then another controversial topic was sixth, five facts about June Eastwood, who made history by becoming the first transgender woman to run in state cross country this year. And actually, this is a testament to John. 
you know, they, they talk in content about, well, what's the term where you have like long form content? It, it's popular every single year. An article that I think John wrote last green year. Green content. Yes, green content. Pro runner salaries. How much do professional runners make? We unveil one of the sport's biggest secrets. Did well, even though it came out last year. So I guess a lot of people were giggling that. Yeah, well, that's also a top of the every page in Let's Run. It's in the header. So I think a lot of people are going to click through on that one. I know you and John never look at that. It's weird because you guys will tell me to update certain things and something in the title. And you guys don't never notice if what's at the top of the header is a little bit out of date. But that's a totally relevant one because our sport, it's unique in the sense, well, I guess other sports may be like this, but to a lesser extent. But the vast majority of runners who are well compensated make more money from their sponsors than they do from like salary or in our case, prize money. I mean, most of them really don't get a salary. They're not on a team. So behind the covers, look at what runners make. I think that's always going to be popular and, it, and it's evergreen. So the term is actually evergreen, not green content. And rounding out the top 10 for most popular articles, the goat is back. Can you say Bikile runs stunning 201.41 at BMW Berlin Marathon? 10.75. Five, LSU freshman Shakari Richardson arrives as a star with an insane collegiate 100-meter record. Our worst fears realized USATF will not honor top three finish at U.S. Olympic trials unless you have the standard. Thankfully, that debacle has been avoided by the IAAF, giving everyone the standard in the top three. And last but not least, White Lightning, Matthew Bowling runs incredible 10 one 75 double at the Texas State meet. And just missing it, shout out to Let's Run's own Kelsey Bruce. We sent her out to the World Cross Country Championships the last minute and meet Kelsey Bruce. We're sending her the world's greatest foot race was the 11th most read article of the year. Now, Weldon is always reminding me that most of the pages actually come on the forum. So, well, then do you have any ideas as what the most popular thread of 2019 was? Not sure. I mean, the forum, yeah, cumulatively there's more pages just because there's so many forum posts and there's nearly 10 million of them. But real quickly, back to the articles. It sort of reminded me some of the cool stuff that happened this last year. And I think, one, the Let's Run community, uh, this is the part of it I love, like the Kelsey Bruce story. People love that. I mean, Kelsey, we said, hey, we might send someone to Worlds. And everyone just loved it and started rooting for her. And she didn't run nearly as well as she wanted. And it was just very inspiring. Then she got to run the real world championships for Team USA in Doha later in the year. And that was the most atro- atrocious conditions I've ever seen in my life for a running race. The dew point or relative humidity, whatever, was uh, I think as worse as it's ever been for a marathon in the world, outside of like you know one of those Sahara marathons or something. And Kelsey finished like you know barely made it across. And I like Robert, you weren't there. I was like tearing up. It was kind of emotional for me because I'm like she didn't quit. You know you got to start what you finish if you can. This coming from the guy who dropped out of the Pan Am Games 10,000 meters and <laughs> one of my two Team USA appearances. But that was very cool, I thought. And then also the Olympic Trials article, what you said, the Let's Run community as a whole, we really pushed to get the exemption for the top three of the Olympic Trials to be automatic qualifiers. We made it a splash page in Let's Run. We encouraged people to tweet out and... I think that shows a lot of the positivity that can come about in Let's Run. Like, we weren't the only ones pushing for this, but we were the biggest media outlet doing it. And the IWF made the right change, thanks to you know some lobbying from USATF. It was one of those win-win things where something 
kind of inside baseball thing got changed, and now the Olympic trials are going to be that much sweeter. Top three across the line in Atlanta make the Olympics, and that dream of the Olympics is so much. It's the founding of Let's Run. It's what, like, you know, what I quit my job for four months to train and went from being like number 100 in the country to number four, and the Let's Run just started at that time. Without that Olympic trials dream, there would be no Let's Run, and why your dreams become reality, so... Cool story there that the Let's Run community was both things were behind and everybody, you guys made a little change in the sport, a little bit for the better. And I think maybe each month or each quarter, we should t- take on one thing. Like what's one little thing we can make better instead of just all this negativity of you know, complaining like, oh, this sucks, this sucks, or so much negativity just in the world or life in general. The world's pretty good. I mean, I don't know, glass half full or glass half empty. You could also say the world's pretty bad, but w- let's focus on what we can change and moving forward. Well said, Weldon. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'm looking up the results from the, I think it was the 2000, oh, excuse me, 1999 World Half Marathon Championships. The other time you represented Team USA wearing the singlet, you didn't drop out of that race, although maybe you should. Battling food poisoning, Weldon, do you have any idea where you finished in that race? Okay, I'm going to guess like within the top seven from last place, like the bottom seven, I guess I should say. And I'm going to say I ran about one hour and... 15 minutes or 12. Wow. Wow. Go with your first instinct. Weldon finished fifth to last, running 74.58. Folks, he was slower than the women's winner by a long shot. He had food poisoning. Weldon, do you remember the battle at the end with Frederic Baldacino of Malta? Like, you had the same time. Did you lunge at the line to get fifth to last and not fourth? No, not at all. I remember battling it out with a guy from, like, Yemen. Do you see Yemen on there? Uh, He ran – the only Yemen finisher near you is – Mohammed Al Kawani, he ran. He was only seven spots ahead of you, but he was almost five minutes ahead of you at seventy. Who else was near me? Oh, Yemen behind you. Yes, yeah, one hundred seventh. He was Khalid Al Astasi, seventy-five forty. So you crushed him. What about the other guy? Did I beat this other guy? Or lose? you beat the one guy who was third to last by forty-two seconds. I did not. Top threads of the year. The cheating threads are always popular. The fact that Weldon doesn't know this off the top of your head shows you, in my my ways, why Let's Run is so good. Most people who run businesses analyze the data and they try to provide popular stuff. We don't analyze the data. We produce what we think is a kick-ass website. We cover the stories that are interesting. We cover elite running. We don't really pay attention to like, oh, that article didn't get many page views. Let's don't run it. We write the articles that we think you, the fans, want to read and that would interest us to read. So, Weldon, this article is Every year, the number one article, I mean, number one thread on Let's Run by a factor of three. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, no, no. Well, that's cumulative, not per page. I mean, yeah, it's got like 100 pages. That's going to be the coach's opening thread. So a lot of people probably aren't familiar with this thread, but it's like where all the college coaches talk about the openings in NCAA college, cross-country, and track and field. And I assume, is there a 2020 thread open now? They'll start a thread every year, and it just goes, and then they talk about it all year. And so... You know, 365 days, people are hitting this thread. Whereas if we have a thread on Alberto Salazar getting banned or something, you know, people are on it for about a week. So that makes sense. Weldon is correct. And then the next most popular thread was the Frank Meza 253 fake marathon in LA and discussing that ended up being quite a tragedy. Um, When we were talking about the articles earlier, folks, I did leave out articles. The most popular articles generally are like results pages. Well, that makes sense. I mean, people click through and want to see results. For yeah. I mean, if you have a USATF results page up for a week, there's going to be 10 days. So it's really like, it's not that really that popular of an article, but over 10 days of it being on the top of the front page, it gets kind of popular. Anyways, the 
Well done. Of the major marathons, guess which one, the official discussion thread, which one was the most popular? Again, this isn't that really that hard if you really think about it. Uh, I'm going to go, this one's easy. Boston, because people are at work. Correct, folks. We used to love it when NCAA Cross Country was on a Monday, because when people are at work, they can't watch stuff on TV and they have to go to the forum. So Boston thread leads the way. A thread about the Dow Jones industrial kicking ass was next. Alberto Salazar being banned. And then the Guelph coach losing his job was fifth. Well, I haven't even clicked on that thread. Yeah. Boston Marathon cutoff predictions, sixth. New York Mary Kane's breaks her silence about the NOP from New York Times. The London discussion thread, the NAOS discussion thread. And love for, how about some love for the D3 people? D3XC thread is next there. So there you have it. A pretty crazy year if you think about it. I mean, just some of these things we were talking about, just in these course of threads. We had tragedy. I mean, Frank Meza, this guy was a marathon cheat, and then he took his own life. And I mean, that just shows one, some of the real life implications of what people are talking about. And no matter what the person or even if it's a celebrity and Frank wasn't a celebrity, but he was a national record, you know, a possible national record holder. So I'm fine with the discussion. But even if it is like the Olympic champion or LeBron James or something, these are still real people. We, we, we sh- you know, shouldn't forget that. But we ha- had that. This year on the track was pretty amazing. Ajay Wilson, Donovan Brazier, for the first time ever. We have two Americans ranked number one in the Let'sRun.com rankings that are now out. We had Gabe Grunewald's death when you talk about tragedy. We had all the Alberto Salazar stuff, the banning. I mean, that's just uh, – who would have predicted that? I mean, maybe the fact you get banned, you, people would think of. But there's just so much that went on. That the 2.14.04, I was glad to see that on there, the Bridget Coast guy. Because one thing on Let's Run we always try to do is, is promote uh, African achievements. And I obviously had a close connection to Paula Radcliffe. I helped pace her to her first world record in the marathon. So Paula's records have always have a special place in my heart. And, and it lasted for 16 years or 17 years, excuse me, her world record. But to, to see Coast Guys 214.04 get a lot of attention on Let's Run, that's a pretty cool thing. And also in Let's Run, you know, we women's and men's sport are rarely treated on the same plane or discussed in the same plane. And it's kind of one thing that happens here. So I think that's cool to see Coast Guy's record be right up there. Yes, if you listen to last week's podcast, we had a lot about the gender balance of the coverage at Let's Run. I was kind of worried when I listened to it that I would sound bad. But when I listened to it again, I thought I made the points I wanted to say. So if you didn't listen to that, you can catch it now. Robert, that's the thing. Like, we had a contest – Putting women's sport and men's sport just all open, like what's the race of the decade? And even on Instagram this week, we, we I said runners of the decade, and oh, this one I said U.S. women's and U.S. men's, and people were like, uh, you know, w- wanting to discuss them separately. We just said race of the decade, men or women, what's the best race? And, and there's nothing more equal than that. And I, I think it's pretty cool. Most people sort of appreciated what we were trying to do there, and I, I think. All in all, it just kind of gets back to, like, you're going to focus on the negative or the positive. And are there problems with Let's Run? Of course, any virtual community has problems. Any community has problems. But all in all, I think we keep getting better. I want to keep that moving forward. And I think with Let's Run, sometimes they're looking for diversion. Sometimes they're looking for a little advice in life. And sometimes they just want to follow the sport they love and hang out with people who are like-minded. So keep visiting, keep posting, people. Thank you. 
And speaking of visiting, looking at the most popular articles of the last decade, actually, I forgot one from this year was the one about C.C. Telfer was up there. But another article that, that jumps into like the top 10 all time is Joanna Harper, herself a transgender runner. She wrote an article several years ago called A Brief History of Intersex Athletes in Sports, and it gets several thousand views every year. So it's now up there. And then Lehigh Valley got it wrong. The evidence is conclusive. Mike Rossi, the Boston Marathon cheat, is Boston Marathon viral marathon dad is a marathon cheat. So, and actually, his the thread on that article was gigantic as well as Robert Young. But then it's interesting, Weldon, when you look at like most popular threads of the last ten years overall, some of them are like pain related articles, like how long does it take a calf strain to heal? You know, and Google's just sending a few people there every day. But over 10 years, it adds up to a significant number. So the Mike Rossi was the number one for the last decade? No, no. That was just the number one of the articles we didn't mention this year in terms of the last decade that, that, that popped into the decade. This year's articles did much better than ones in the past. Oh, yeah. the, the What you were saying about Meb being number one until this year. So that makes sense. So, well, you talked about some of the amazing things that happened. And if you haven't read it, we, we, we pumped it up last week in the podcast. Our runners of the decade are now up, U.S. and world. Person of the decade, Alberto Salazar, all of that is up. But when I was compiling this list of those popular threads, I saw some stuff that I'd forgotten about, Weldon. Like, do you remember? Like, It's crazy to think that, I don't know. There was three, th- three things that I'd sort of just forgotten about. One, Woody Kincaid. Do you remember that he ran a 12.58-5000 and didn't even make the world's team? Also, another man not going to worlds was Johnny Gregorek. He ran a 3.49 indoor mile. That's how crazy, that's how, to me, if you look at it from a U.S. perspective, let's focus on the positive. The U.S. is so good now at distance running. We have guys running 1258 and 349 that aren't even making this world championship team. I mean, both those things are amazing. The 1258, a little more amazing in my book. But what are those things, what are those races share in common? I mean, indoor miles like a time trial, perfect conditions, essentially. And I think we're realizing indoor tracks are pretty fast. I mean, 12 laps to the mile or 10 laps to the mile and those bank tracks back in the day, like Coghlan and them were blasting 350s. But it's pretty crazy. But the Woody Kincaid thing, like who? Like 12.58? I mean, that restores some of my faith in the sport. But one, it shows like you, what you can do in a time trial environment. That's Portland weather, nearly perfect weather, perfect pacing, 12.58. But if Woody Kincaid can run 12.58, do I have confidence that like some guy from ethiopia or kenya clean can run 1244 or something i sure hope so like do i really think that but one it shows like how amazing woody kincaid is like that's not that far off you know five seconds a mile off a world record or something if you think about that in the history of like what a man can do or what a woman can do that's just pretty damn amazing it also shows how fine-tuned at the top of the world it is because if he runs thirteen fifteen, we barely notice. But twelve fifty eight, we're like, oh my god, everything gets an up and over. Then you start thinking, like, wait, how much faster can these other guys run? So some of these times we saw in Paris and stuff the last couple of years. I'm glad we're seeing the five k was it's kind of coming back. It, it may be dropping out on the Diamond League, but we've seen some really good times the last two years. And who knows? We joke about it, but we maybe we'll have to have like a Let's Run dot com annual World Five K or something just to see how fast people can do it, set up with perfect conditions. I think we should do it. Get some GoFundMe or Kickstarter or something and put it in perfect conditions in Portland. I mean, it helps when you have the world's bronze medalist med- rabbiting the race. But, you know, people know like, hey, Monaco's where you go to run a fast 1500. You go to City X. I'd like to put it in upstate New York or somewhere cool. But um, 
run the fast 5,000 at the end of the season. Another thing, Walton, that I wanted to ask you, because you were in Doha, and this thread was pretty popular. Remember right before Worlds, there was these articles in the press saying that two Kenyans on the Kenyan, two Kenyans on the World Championship team were caught on video taking EPO, and nothing ever came of that. So what was the scuttlebutt in Doha about that? No, I remember nothing about it in Doha. But I think that something came out, and that report was sort of discredited online. I mean, I... We probably shouldn't leave people hanging on the podcast. And but hey, this is this is one of the problems, people. We don't have a little fact checker John on here. But I'm pretty sure I saw on the on the forums that uh, that report was sort of discredited or not what we thought it was at the time. But I can look that up, folks. If you've been fast forwarding and skipped the beginning, I'm Let's Run Not Come co-founder Robert Johnson, joined by my twin brother Weldon Johnson. Jonathan Galt is in the UK and off this weekend. But we've been talking about the most popular threads of the last decade and last year. And now let's turn our attention towards 2020 Olympics. But before we do, folks, again, support the podcast. Go to letsrun.com slash shoes, review a shoe, buy a shoe, do something to help us. Thank you. Yes. And our we're going to start doing this quarterly. Our quarterly, now quarterly, end of year, beginning of year, call for shoe reviews is out hundreds of shoe reviews in like the last four or five days so you're looking for updated shoe reviews you can go check them out but please join the fellow let's run.com brethren and shooting giving us a shoe review these reviews are like really detailed they're really great if you're trying to compare two shoes you can you know you can see like this person ran in this shoe and they ran in this shoe this one they liked better but thank you for everyone who submitted reviews keep them coming in and also robert won't be there but if you're looking for a race to train for in 2020, the day after the Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta, on March 1st, Sunday, March 1st, the Publix Atlanta 5K Half Marathon and Marathon are all taking place. Have a great weekend in Atlanta and run one of those races and watch the trials the day before. The rest of the Let's Run.com crew will be there. Well, I'm not sure about employee 1.1, if he's going to come or not, but shout out to him. Let's Run.com's own Steve Soprano. Robert, maybe we should play some audio from our conference call on Monday. Yes. I mean, our amateur performance of the weekend. Steve, on Monday in our conference call, somehow I I brought up the name Steve Spence, the 1991 World Championship Marathon bronze medalist. And he had a streak dating to 1976 of running a sub-five-minute mile every year, and at least once a year. And since early December... Yeah, so here, I can find the audio. Here's a little audio of what then transpired. This call is being recorded. Well, yeah, I have a streak since freshman year of high school. And uh, I realized I haven't done one this year. And, like, I planned on training for it just because, you know, like, all right, I'll actually start running again. I haven't been running very much at all. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. So I'm still going to try it today, but... I don't know how it's going to go because I've been like, I, I counted it up. I had like eight runs in October, probably something similar in November, maybe like eight to 12 runs in November. And then, you know, I've ran probably like about probably 10, 10 times in December. So it's like, if, if I do this, it's going to be based on like talent and years. What do you mean? Training, but, but you're not even up. that fast in the mile. What's your mile PR? Uh, 426. My friends already said they said they're starting a let's run thread if I don't do it to make fun of me. Yeah, uh, I want to start. It I think it was just before. I mean, Steve, do you want to train today and go for it? I want to go for it today because I figure if I don't do it today, I can cheat tomorrow. 
tomorrow I'm going downhill mile or a treadmill mile. But wow. uh, today I'm going to actually try it legitimately. I am, uh, because of the shitty weather though, I'm going to do it at the Civic Center, which is like, it's this hockey rink by me. And it's, uh, people walk around the top. I've done workouts in there before, but it's really tight turn, so it's not the best. And so our very own Steve, not Steve Spence, Steve Soprano, went out there. I was not feeling optimistic, Robert. And he did it. 459 point. I don't know. There's two different watches. Some of the purists may not like this one. It was not done on an outdoor track. It was not done on an official indoor track. It was done at the top of the, what is it, the Albany Civic Center or something? I mean, the, this was like live streamed on Twitch. But... And Steve, because it's not like a set number of laps to the mile, they got their splits mixed up. So like the half mile split, Steve thought was a quarter mile split. So he thought he was like way slow. And he was shocked that he actually made it 459. But that shows people don't quit when you're in a race. Go hard to the finish. He does it. So his sub five streak continues on. Yeah, I started the podcast by praying John, but Steve should be our employee of the week. I mean... It's this. This so personifies Steve. Like he was not the most talented runner for me at Cornell, but he has a passion for the sport. And the fact that he got the splits mixed up, he wheeled it off with a wheel the night before. His pregnant wife, who has a broken foot and also has some sort of medical device where she has to put it, she has a tube in her back for the next five months while she's pregnant because they can't do surgery. Anyways, she agreed to film the whole thing for him while he did this in the middle of the day on. on December 30th. So shout out to wife of the year, CJ and to Steve. But to me, it personalized Steve. Like he thought he went out in 71. I mean, he thought he went out in 66, but in reality, he went out in 71. So he smacked way off. Then he was 237 and 352. I mean, most people just give up, but he showed kind of what Neil Willis has said. You can do a lot in the last lap, but Steve just was going to run as hard as he could to the line. And he was rewarded with the 459. So really, um, you know, incredible stuff. So Steve now has one of the world's longest streaks, but Steve Spence's streak is no more. Yes, sad news. Steve Spence's streak came to an end after 43 years. Since 1976, he did it 43 times in a row. This would have been the 44th. That's pretty nuts. And on Let's Run.com, we're talking about some of the end of the year stuff. We have a new thread up. I'll put this in the show notes. What was the post and thread of the decade? I mean, we've been discussing all this serious stuff and... You know, who was the person of the decade and runner of the decade and what are the most popular articles? I'm kind of curious what people are going to say about the post and thread of the decade. But that got me thinking, you know, we had had these posts about challenges at the end of the year and people continuing these streaks. We need to have a challenge or something for somebody out of shape like myself. I just don't even know where to begin. I guess you could argue I should just go run a mile as hard as I can and see where I'm at. But that's just so unappealing right now. I want to kind of see... I don't know, like the out of shape man's like, what's the challenge you should do a new year's every year. I am proud to report Robert. I did a polar bear challenge yesterday. I was running with my dogs. I went to the beach near me, the Rowayton beach. And I kind of been bummed because I actually Googled around trying to see if there was a polar bear challenge or anything. And I see this family roll up about get out of the car. One kid whips off his shirt and I'm like, wow, they're doing one. And I didn't want to join just the family. I ran to the other end of the beach and came back. And next thing I know, there's about 20 people there. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, high noon, polar bear challenge. And have an Apple Watch, but I don't have cell coverage right here. So I ran like a few minutes, called my wife and said, 
hey, can you get here? I want, I'm doing this thing, but I don't want to die. I need some essentially a towel or something. So she wasn't there when I, I just went in. I knew she'd be there pretty quickly. Went in with running pants and no shirt. Live to tell about it. Well, just like Steve, just kind of doing it for the heck of it. Why not? But folks, some of you may be suspicious about Steve's. I asked him, we are a sticker for the rules. I've asked him to run another sub five early in 2020 to prove to folks that he didn't get the splits, the markings wrong on the track, and that he can do it. So he said he will probably do that in the next few weeks. But let's move on, Weldon, to talking about the one significant result of the weekend. And it brings me to my end, my weekly Vaporfly segment. I've just started a thread this afternoon entitled, Holy Blank, The Vaporflies Just Broke the Hakone Ekiden. And that is the most popular race in Japan. It's the Collegiate Championships. It's a relay race where every leg is like a half marathon in distance. 10K, you know, we're very far on the road. And it's a two-day race. And in the first stage yesterday, or on the second, I think it was, so earlier today, the top four teams all broke the old course record. So there was a tailwind, but this is all vaporflies in my opinion. But the most amazing thing was there was a Kenyan, a 19-year-old Kenyan by the name of Vincent Kiprop. He ran 59.20 something for longer than a half marathon. It was 21.4 kilometers. If you do the math, that's 58.33 half marathon for a guy who's got like a 13, I think his PRs are like 13.28 and 27.47. 58.33. I mean, people wonder why I focus on the shoes. It's just because it's obliterated what is a fast time anymore. I mean, this guy's obviously very, very good, but he's not 58 minutes good. He's not better runner than, you know, it kind of reminded me of Samuel Wenjuru and how good he was in Japan when he, I think he won Olympic gold in the marathon, like 21. But 58.33 is crazy. And if you haven't read it yet, go to the thread. There's a link to Brett Lorne's recap of the race. And to me, it was amazing. Well, then, um, I want to read from it. So, anyways, he's talking about the previous runs, and he says their runs paled next to what had been the most jaw-dropping run in Hakone history. Making his academic debut, Vincent Yegon, I think I said Kipro, Vincent Yegon took 201 off the course record, two minutes off the course record, covering the 21.4 kilometers in 59.25. Do the math, y'all. That's 58.35 half marathon. When he passed Takato Suzuki, who is on the winning team from the last four years, who was also on course record pace, Suzuki just turned to him, laughed, and waved him on. I mean, this guy was running the course record pace himself and gets destroyed by this guy. So um, it's just pretty amazing. And then the crazy thing, though, is the reaction to it at the end. Like, Brett Lerner's like, what to make of all this? And they're saying famous Japanese former national marathon national record holder Sagoro Osako reacted on TV. I kept thinking there was something wrong with my stopwatch. As someone who ran 66 minutes on the second stage, I didn't think I'd ever see a 65 minutes happen there, but it did. So the conditions were good, but you can't deny the vapor flies. And as one runner said, when asked about, he had put up the second best mark ever on his leg. They said, what do you think about being the second fastest runner in history? This, I love this quote, Weldon. Um, he said, well, these are the days of the shoes, the vapor fly. So I don't feel especially psyched about it. So there you have it. You have a guy running the second best time in the history of a famous, famous race. It's the same course every year. And he realizes, hey, I'm not the second best runner in history, you know, but thanks to the shoes, I am. How big was the wind? But I think that's cool. That should be quarter of the day tomorrow. I mean, that's a great quote. And I mean, we can do, we don't want to talk about these shoes every week. And maybe we just say anything goes. 
but something needs to be decided one way or the other. Oh, that reminds me. I had a dream. I wonder, wow, I wonder if this was a dream, New Year's Eve. But I had a dream, Robert. Somebody comes out with a new shoe, and it's better. it was better than the Vaporfly, but it didn't have the big stack height. And I remember thinking, like, no, they say it's the stack height. It's not just the plate. And they're like, this one doesn't have the big stack height. It kind of had, like, you know, it wasn't, like, minimalist, but it didn't have this huge stack height. And I was like, wow, this is, what's going to happen? Because I can't ban this one. And I can't remember what company it was. It was, like, Adidas or Hoka. Pretty sure it was one of those two. And interpret this dream. It means you realize it's all about the shoes and they're going to counteract. If they do have a ban on the stack height, they're going to counteract to it and, and figure out a way to do it just as well. So they're, they're debating banning the stack height, which I read might actually ban my Hoka, Bo Hoka Bondi 6s, which I just recently purchased, which is going to piss me off because I'm not cheating with these shoes. They're very comfortable. But anyways, 19 of the 21 guys in this Japanese race in the first stage are wearing the Vaporflies. And he estimated, Brett Werner estimated that it was similar for, for all, of the th all of the legs. So, it's just crazy. What was the wind like? I mean, I, with a point-to-point -point course, I think the wind deserves some credit. Obviously, I mean, they could have had the shoes last year. But well, that's one thing that hasn't been discussed. I feel like this latest version of the shoe is way better than the previous version. Or maybe now it's just get, they're getting adopted more. At first, you know, maybe you had like, I mean, one, like a college race where people aren't sponsored by shoe companies. You can have more people adopt it. But maybe sort of there's only so many sort of independent athletes and in races, and let's say half of them, or you know, twenty percent the first year were adopting the shoes, and forty percent now you're up to like eighty percent or even more of kind of free agent athletes. So maybe that's why we're finally seeing uh, these times across the board. But I feel like at the pro ranks for sponsored athletes too, like Bridget Coast guy, just the marathon times this year it was just sort of crazy. So I think yes, I I would you know like to look at the wind. And I'm very. I, I've spent a lot of time in the past analyzing the wind. But Coast Guy ran a loop course, and she smashed the world record. And here, you know, the course record was actually set from last year when also they were these shoes were in play. And I just, you know, I, I I'm not saying that we necessarily need to ban these moving forward. I do think what happened in 2016 is wrong. I think it was mechanical doping for all of the medalists in the marathon. And I've asked for them to be just for the not to. I don't want Kipchoge to be tar tarnished, but I think. Those medals should be stripped um, and just award no winner for that because you, you you can't set the precedent this is allowed. But Brett Warner ends his article saying, you know, if these shoes were banned tomorrow, would today's marks ever be touched? For, for one of them, yes. For the second one, maybe, probably. For the fourth stage, maybe. But for the second stage, probably not. And for the third stage, no way in hell. Okay, enough Vaporfly talk. Well, then, I think we may need to move on to another Big event in Japan, which is happening later on this year, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. I hope you're ready, Weldon. I've come up with some questions for you, some rapid-fire questions. Well, it doesn't have to be rapid-fire. But who is more likely to win a gold medal? Are you ready? I'm ready. Drum roll. I've also texted these questions to Jonathan Galt. Okay. Kennedy Sebekele or Evan Jager? Ooh, that's a good one. A year ago, it's just no question. Jager. I would have liked my chances. I mean, I would have said as high as any American in the sport. Now, Donovan Brazier's my number one American for sure. And my number two is probably far off. Pekele. I mean, you've only... The, the good thing with the Olympics for runners in any sort of races or marathon 
is you only got to beat if you're Ethiopian, you got to beat three Kenyans and two other Ethiopians, and maybe a couple other guys. I guess Ugandan Stephen Kipertich obviously won the Olympics. Right now, I'm going to go have to go with Bekele because he's. I know he's healthy. I, I don't know if I say he's healthy, that guy's never healthy. My just question is on Jager's fitness and how, how does he get back? The Olympics are pretty early this year, so Jager needs to be 100 percent to win the Olympics. Bekele does as well. Just a, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. I, I, Jonathan and I both went with, with, um, Jager mainly because, yes, at his absolute best, well, Bekele is probably almost as good at the marathon as, as Kip Joge or pretty damn close. And Jager, well, I guess he, I guess Caprito's never broken eight either, but they're, they're similar. I, th- I think, you know, if they run their A races, someone's going to run a hell of a race to beat them. But t- to me, just from a simple odds standpoint, we don't even know if Akili's going to be on the team. He could get injured. I guess Jager didn't make the team this year either. But I, I just went, we went with Jager because I-, I think it's, we know he's going to be on the team. Of course, if you're not in really good shape, it's just not going to matter. That's probably statistically more accurate because Steeple Chase is not that deep. If Jager's fit, he's got a chance. But Kaylee needs to be on the team at his best. And he's still got to beat some really good guys. The steeple isn't that deep. So I understand your logic. Okay. Keeping with Bekele, Bekele or Matthew Centrowitz? Both are former Olympic champions. Centrowitz won one in 2016. I don't think Bekele's won one since 2008, right? Or four. Oh. I ever see anyone, either one of them, really winning? Well, I mean, without Kiprop, I think it opens up. But Chariot was so damn good this year. I'm going to go with. Oh, man. I'm going with Bekele. What's Centro really done since 2016? He did run fast, I think, what, two years ago? Yeah, he ran 331, I think, in the in um, 2000. I was looking this up earlier today. He ran 331 in like 2017 or 2018. So he's, you know, hasn't like he's not done anything, but he's done nothing on the global stage. I agree with you. Well, you went with Bekele. John went with, with Centro. Um, we're talking gold medal. I know he won it again, but. I don't know. Centro's done nothing to me to prove that he's going to – I guess he had done nothing in his career before that either. But, you know, I heard an interesting theory. I don't believe this, but someone's also – if you want to factor in the odds, someone's like, well, imagine that he was part of – imagine the runners and the NRP were dirty. And he won gold and was smart enough to realize, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm getting off the sauce. So that would be another thing to factor in your analysis. I do don't think that that was the case, but just throwing that out there. People love conspiracy theories, right? I'm not buying that either. He still ran pretty fast. Okay, we're probably going to be yelled for not getting a woman in early enough in this debate. So let's move to one that Jonathan brought, brought Jonathan Galt brought up. Um, he wants to analyze who's more likely to win gold in America's fastest couple. Supposedly they're now dating Shelby Houlihan or Matthew Centrowitz. Oh well, without Hassan in the picture, I say a hundred percent Houlihan. There's just not many people she has to beat, but Hassan's at such a level now. Can she beat her? I guess she could get hurt. Hassan, who's going to coach Hassan this year, last year, right? She thrived under Alberto Salazar. And now what's she going to do? So that's a big question mark there. I'm still going to go with Houlihan. I mean, this kind of comes back to some of the stuff we, we, we've talked about. I think men's running is deeper than women's running. So does that make it harder for Centro to medal to begin with? I think so. Houlihan's... I mean, she didn't medal this year, but she was number four, and she ran so fast. So I think three fifty four ninety nine and didn't even medal. I mean, it's just crazy. But you run that fast, yeah. She's definitely more likely to win gold for sure. I agree with you. Remember, Gonzaga Debapa wasn't even in that race, so she could have been fifth. 
But um, we all agree that Houlihan on that one. And Centro, I'm looking at his times. So the 331.77 was in 2018. He ran 332 last year. And he's in 330 shape, 13 flat shape. He could really, he, he's clutch. Almost ran 13 flat, good point. What if he wins the 5K? That ain't happening, will they? I used to think he was a 5K. But look at Jacob Ingram. That race goes differently. I mean, I don't, I don't even know where Jacob Ingerson ended up ranked in our world rankings. I think he was just barely in the top 10 in the 5K. That guy almost won the Worlds. With 300 to go, he had a pretty big lead. Now, he totally mistimed it, but he's very young. I applaud his moxie, but it sort of shows what a 1,500 guy within endurance space can do. Ten years ago, if you asked me about Matthew Centrowitz, I'm like, oh, he's a 5K runner. He's not a 1,500-meter runner. Clearly, history showed I was not wrong about that, but his pedigree from his dad suggest he could be really good at 5k so that'll be interesting okay let's take a look at the steeplers emma coburn or evan jager coburn i mean she's a silver medalist right it's just there's less less in the way if one runner isn't running as well she already has her second gold medal she's already won one gold medal i don't know about that i mean chip coach on her a game is so much better than her yeah but what if she gets hurt i mean what if she well something happens to her she gets sick yeah well john agrees with you coburn I'm going to take a rain check on that one. Okay. A.G. Wilson? Ajay. Or Don, excuse me, Jonathan Gold. Thank you, Walden, for correcting me on her, Jonathan. Ajay Wilson or Donovan Brazier? This is a good one. Brazier won gold this year, but Ajay was favored to win gold. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm all on the Brazier train now. Like, of course, Brazier. But once again, is men's running more competitive? We say that. But, you know, maybe like 10th place is more competitive than the top. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Oh. I never well, would Ajay until this year. I think you got to still stay with Ajay. Yeah, don't overthink it. Well, she wins like 90% of the time on the circuit. Brazier wins like 10% of the time on the circuit or 20%. So Wilson is the connect there. Hey, people forget about this. She was the biggest favorite at the World Championships on the women's side. The number one betting favorite in all of the world was American Ajay Wilson. And she got beat by her training partner. Raven Rogers got the silver medal. I don't know if you remember that one. But third place, Rajay. I mean, she picked the one race, to, the one, ugh, the wrong one race to lose for the year. But yeah, I think you're right. Just because if she didn't win once, I mean, yeah, we said, you know, I think it was like probably 80% favorite. So two out of, two out of 10 times, she doesn't win. This was one of them. She's still going to be, if you had betting odds, she'd be more of a favorite. Than Brazier for next year. Okay, sticking with 800, moving to the men's side, Clayton Murphy or Bryce Hopple? Maybe we should say medal here because I don't think either one of them is winning gold. I guess Murphy can maybe. Whoa. I'm about to say, okay, that's actually a good caveat because gold, Murphy, no question. Murphy for both. I mean, who are we kidding? He's much faster. He's got an Olympic medal. I mean, Hopple got fourth at Worlds, right? Am I remembering that correctly? That's crazy. But I know Murphy's top end is better. Excuse me. I'm not, maybe not saying that right. Murphy's, the top end we've seen for both of them, Murphy's is, be, is better. So I'll stick with that for now. But Hoppel, what a year. If you told me the guy's name a year before, would I have known who he was? I can't even remember what he did the year before. Like, what was his best NCAA finish before this year? That's pretty crazy, like, how far that guy came in one year. I think Hopple, I think Murphy, I mean, it's tough. Hopple was fourth this year. I think Murphy was seventh at Worlds. Who needs John to fact track us when we can do it ourselves? Eighth. Eighth. But 
you know, Murphy's run 143 three times in his life, 142 once in his life. Hopple's never run faster than 144.2. So it's just interesting to consider. And I think that Jonathan went with actually Hopple Weldon. He disagrees with you. Because you guys interviewed Bryce's dad, Monty, the GM of the Rockland, of the Midland Rockhounds. Is that their name, Rockhounds? I don't think so. But apologize if we got it wrong. That's in our podcast. If you guys want to listen to a pro runner's dad, look in our archives. Yeah, right after Worlds, we had him on. Or maybe even before Worlds. Okay, I really like this one. Mo Farah is returning to the track. It's going to make the 5,000s and 10,000s very exciting. Does he have a better shot at winning than Mukhtar Adris? who has won the last two Global 5,000s. No. I don't know. One thing to consider here is most likely to be in two events, Weldon. I'd say caveat, Mo's got two events, so I guess you double the odds, so more likely. In the 5K, no. Just 5K, no. I'm going with address. Overall, yeah, I guess Farah's odds. i got to put my little econ and maskills together. And it is Midland Rock counts I'm seeing. Just confirming that. Folks, we're right on everything. Okay, moving back to the women. Shelby Houlihan or Laura Muir, both women are 26 years of age. Both ran fast as hell, 354 and 355 at Worlds. Neither medaled. Neither has ever medaled on the global stage. What? That's kind of crazy. Well, Muir's done it indoors, but never out. Yeah, indoors doesn't count. I was just looking up Ajay Wilson's age. She's only 25. <laughs> I'm going to go with Houlihan. Uh, just American biased. So it's, right, it's okay to have certain biases in life, right? You can be biased for your country and no one thinks you're a horrible person. We should, we should go with Jonathan Galt on this. He was born in the UK, but he has dual citizenship. He has picked his homeland, Lormuir, is more likely. It, it's just, it blows my mind, as good as both these women are, they, neither one of them has won a medal. And that just shows you, you know, how difficult it is. And somebody like Coco, how lucky she was to win a medal in the 5,000 this year, because there was a lot of 10,000 meter runners that didn't double back. And yet, you know, if that happens, or if, let's say Hassan does the 10-5 instead of the 10-15, Houlihan has her medal. You know, it's just pretty interesting how so much of it is depending on whether the people double back and how the schedule's set up and, and that type of stuff. So, I mean, I'm looking at the world results this year. It's just so nuts. Faith Kipiegun, the Olympic champion, she ran a national record, 354-22. She got crushed. She got beat by nearly 2.3 seconds. I mean, that's just, that's a stomping. I mean, that's just crazy. So, is this, Robert, should this be our Alberto Salazar segment of the week? Should we cue up the music? Sure. When they turn into the park, it seems like the wind might be in their face. It's Salazar, Salazar, Salazar. He, Alberto went out on top, right? I mean, I guess he wasn't technically her coach when she won the 1,500 meters. He was her coach when she won the 10K, Correct. Correct. Very interesting. Alberto gets banned halfway through the World Championships. Pretty crazy. But then his, I guess Galen Rupp's his protege, but his female protege, Sifan Hassan, after winning the 10K, runs a 351 1500 Alberto, we didn't have John on the podcast this week. We really could have used you. The spot is yours. The spot is yours. Please join us. Later in the podcast, we're going to do bold predictions for 2019. But I'm going to put you on. I was debating saying... Alberto Salazar will be cleared by in his appeal process. Well, then, what do you think of that? Will he ultimately prevail in the court fight or not? I was debating it. I was thinking, you know what? This is kind of what I want to happen just because it'll create so many storylines that people won't know what to do with themselves. 
probably won't be good for the sport, but it'll be just the shit show that we're used to. I think at the end of 2018, I learned something about us, and I got the same genes as you, so we're probably pretty similar. I think we like to be like, we're super analytical. But we also like to kind of find the contrarian thing. Like, you know, when I think of the stock market, I'm like, oh, should I short this stock? I mean, I never really invest, but I've been fascinated by, like, you know, I don't know what way back I knew that we work. I was like, how can you short a private company? I figured that one out a long time ago, but sort of like the world's greatest company or falling apart Tesla theme sort of captivates me. And so I think we'd love like, oh yeah, he's going to get cleared. I mean, I guess it's one or the other, but no, uh, my inclination is he still stays banned. I, I don't think this will get resolved this year. I think it'll, from what I understand, these, these appeals can take a long time. And for those of you guys who don't know, this isn't like a court appeal where you have to like overturn an error at the previous level of court. When something is appealed to the World Court of Arbitration and Sport, they hear the case new. So Alberta will start over, presumably, although Nike has a new CEO, but I wonder if Phil, I wonder if like Nike said, we're not going to pay for this anymore. Like who else will get millions of dollars in defense? But with Mark Parker gone, it probably still happened. If not, I guess Phil Knight might pay it out of his own pocket. But if he got banned here, I still think he'll get banned at the global level, at least for something. It was clear to me at the time. I'm like, how is this not a doping violation? People shouldn't be allowed to carry these experiments. The rules should prohibit this. And it turns out it looks like they did. So it may not be the ban you want for catching him doping athletes, which would be a lot cleaner for a lot of people. But I think he did break doping rules. And so I think he will remain banned. Thank you, Weldon. You pretty much nailed my logic. I was trying, I was going to say, yes, he'll be overturned. I don't think that's going to happen because they're very good at, at arguing on technicalities. This is, these things are decided by the letter of the law. And it was clear to me several years ago, I'm like, why isn't he banned? You can't do this creatine, whatever, L-carnitine um, experiment. You know, to me, the fact that Magnus is considered, his assistant coach is considered an athlete is kind of a joke, but by the letter of the law, he was. Also, by the letter of the law, He's not allowed to do an experiment on his own son, even if he's trying to figure out if his athletes are sabotaged. So somewhere along the line, he, he sort of violated something. I can see potentially maybe him getting still convicted, but the four-year ban is lifted a little bit. If they, I don't know if, if some of these people like look at intent, claim he didn't real. I don't know, though. He's got the emails to Lance about how excited he was and stuff like that. So it, it'll be interesting to see there um, as that moves forward and, and whether that even gets dissolved this year. But they've got all the facts in so you think if they're going to have a trial it would only take a few weeks i think they're going to do it you know in april or may and then we think they can make a decision instead of dragging it on some of these appeals have taken years so let's hope that's not the case but back to biggest favorite for gold you talked about maybe women's running not being quite as deep as the men's running i think we're going to see this in the next question who's the biggest overall favorite mid-distance and distance 800 and up for the overall men or female. To me, I think it's there's a clear answer. Worldwide? Yeah. Safan Hassan. I think it's Beatrice Kachepkoic. I mean, just by the nature of the steeplechase, you're eliminating like 75% of the talent in that event. She's 15 seconds better than anyone else in the field or 10 seconds better. Uh, to me, I mean, Hassan has some question marks. Those other women are really good in her event. I'm not saying Emma Coburn's not good, but she's not as good as Laura Muir or uh, Faith Kipiega. Fair point. If Beatrice is... 90% of her game, she still might win. I mean, I'm, that's probably not the right metric, but she has to be less at her peak. If Hassan is, I mean, Hassan lost to Helen O'Berry in a couple races last year. So, yeah, I, I, I understand the logic. 
John agrees with me. And one thing about a song is we don't know what she's going to do. I assume she's going to do try to do 15-5. Is that even possible, though? Do we know that? But we, are, we can't forget, let's send back G'day, the silver medalist in the 10,000 this year. Remember that 15K she ran? I know she was wearing the vapor flies, but 44-20, that converts to better than a 214 marathon. So there, if she runs the 10,000, that could be tough. She could just slant, put it at 29 flat pace and see what happens, see if Hassan can, can stick with her in the 10. But I think in the 15 and the 5, Hassan's going to be hard to beat. But biggest favorite on the men's side, Weldon, 800 through marathon. This one's harder. So I think it is a little bit more competitive, maybe what we're getting at. I guess Timothy Chariot. Well, I'm going to go with, I think, Elliot Kipchoge. Looks like John didn't answer this question. He only did it for the for the overall, for not the men and women separately. But John's big, bold prediction, well, his overall has to make a big, bold prediction. John Texas against the men. Yes. His big, bold prediction for 2020. And I kind of agree with this, although I'm just going to say that to me, I think – Kipchoge might consider be considered the biggest favorite. Um, he predicts that Kipchoge will lose a marathon in 2020. I actually think that's a good prediction. Nobody's won at the rate he's won. Bikili Shoney's getting closer. Bikili Shoney's getting closer. Bikili went, went, ran one marathon. I mean, I guess it was two seconds. It was a completely different race. It was in Berlin. I mean, that was so out of nowhere. But to me, that shows like what these shoes can do. I keep saying I'm going to highlight this and really look at this, but Kipchoge is usually like a, a prototype ahead of the shoes version ahead of everybody else. So is that an unfair advantage? Whereas like, you know, Bekele ran in the shoes that Kipchoge ran in, I think last year at Berlin pretty much, or maybe in London. So that's interesting. I mean, the fact that you would say a marathoner is the favored is just so crazy. It just shows how good Kipchoge is in the marathon. And, Regardless of the shoes, I mean, because we don't want to diminish his greatness, just his win rate of over 90%, that's never even been close. I mean, like 50% would be off the charts, and he's like double that. But every year, I'm like, well, he has to lose this year, right? So you guys don't think he'll win the Olympics? I kind of, I'm like, oh, yeah, probably lose. Maybe the heat, the hilly course. You know, I'm not sure exactly. I don't really know what the course in Sapporo is going to be like that much because. We had all the preview stuff in Tokyo. And do we now call it Sapporo Olympic Marathon or Tokyo Olympic Marathon? It's Tokyo Olympics. How about the, just the 2020 Olympic Marathon? In, was John raised an interesting question here. Who wins more medals? The Bowerman Track Club or Pete Julian's new group, which is unnamed. Now, for the Bowerman Track Club, you've got Evan Jager, Mohamed, who won a medal. Then you've got, you know... Shelby Houlihan, Courtney Fryericks, Emily Enfield, Amy Craig, Kate Grace, Carissa Schweizer, Woody Kincaid, Josh Thompson, Ryan Hill. I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but those are kind of the big names there. And for Julian, presumably you're going to have Stefan Hassan. You've got Brazier, who seems like a very good bet for a medal. Murphy, Rupp, and Kajelcha. Am I missing anyone else? Well, he doesn't have as nearly as many athletes. Name name the Bauer ones men's again. I, I just was going with Julian before because I think you know they were dominating this year, uh, throwing Alberto's athlete. I, I think Bowerman's best bets are Jager. He should win a medal. You think if he was healthy, Mohamed, who did win a medal, although I don't good luck replicating that again. Shelby Houlihan, and then you've got some long shots like Woody Kincaid, Josh Thompson, Grant Fisher, Ryan Hill, Courtney Farrex, Emily Enfield, Amy Craig, Kate Grace, Chris Schweizer. Pretty crazy, and we infield won a medal. 
Woody Kincaid, baby. Woody Kincaid, right? I mean, that's kind of crazy. Like you say, Josh Thompson. I mean, just, these guys I just totally discount. But I thought one thing that was interesting in the race of the decade balloting was like Chris Linsky went from like 1312 to 1258 in one year and dropped 2659. So people can improve a lot, even people who you know most of us think are clean, even are, and already at a high level. So if you're at that next level, and maybe that's sort of what Woody Kincaid did this year to go to 1258, but if he can make another jump. I'm still going with Julian, but I think an interesting question would be, you guys are assuming Julian's still going to be coaching. I don't know. I've, I've sort of noticed, uh, is Pete Julian more on Instagram now? I, I just was, I'm not taking it for granted that he keeps his position. I think he probably will, but... You know, most of the stuff that these allegations that came out were against Alberto. But if Nike ever decided to just completely clean up, I guess they need someone to coach him. And Pete's really not touched by this stuff. But I don't know. Maybe if track and field were more prominent, I don't think he would still be coaching these guys. I feel like I've seen Pete. He's been in he's been in Ethiopia or Kenya with Osaka recently. I just noticed more on Instagram. Maybe I just started looking at his posts because Alberto's gone. And I think he's done a tremendous job with his guys, but I. What if he's not the coach? Like, what if they just said we're not going another route? I watched this 30 for 30 last night on uh, the Duke lacrosse thing, and it was pretty crazy, uh, that, that whole thing that went down. But there's one thing posed in there at the middle, and they're like, if this was a basketball team, would this have been treated the same way? It's sort of interesting because I think in that case, the Duke thing, they canceled the season. With basketball, they didn't want to cancel. The season would continue on. In this case, I think because track is enough low profile, maybe – and stuff Pete wasn't directly tied to this, some of the stuff, but you know, he keeps coaching these guys, but I don't know. I, I think nowadays certain things, if with social issues that people come after you, you may not have your job. Well, maybe we should say uh, those athletes combined with Julian. If we're competing those athletes, the, the Salazar athletes versus the Julian athletes, I mean, the, Jay, the uh, Schumacher athletes, I'm going with, unlike John, John said Bowerman. I totally disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that, uh, so Hassan should win two medals. I think that um, Brazier is good for another medal, and I think Kashelja can win a medal. So that would be four. Whereas for 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 Schumacher, I'm somewhat confident in Jager, and that's about it. I mean, Ahmad could medal, Hulahan could medal, maybe somebody else gets like. Well, part of it also is like where is Hassan? She may not be with Julian. I mean, there's some talk of what Charles Van Comedy coaching her i mean I know that was just for the world so i assume that's not a permanent solution but what if she doesn't go back to portland so i mean hell i could i think i could coach her to a medal at this point i mean not to diminish what alberto did but i'd be like what did you guys do last year repeat that's my bold prediction for evan jager evan you're getting up there in age if you want to dump jerry and go big i think he either goes big this year and gets a gold or he's a total flame out but sometimes just changing the coaching is that impetus you need? I'll be happy to coach you. Probably won't move to Flagstaff or go to high altitude. I'll, I'll fly out for high altitude a little bit, but um. I mean, that's one of the things, right? I think sometimes you do need to shake it up, and so I will put that out there. If Jager does not medal at Worlds this year, he needs to change coaches. And I'm a big Jerry fan and like supporter, but I think sometimes uh, you, you just need to shake up the apple cart. It's like this year, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, we, our first Dallas Cowboys segment is coming now. The Super Bowl run has ended early for the Dallas Cowboys. And Jonathan Galt is worried that the New England Patriots dynasty is coming to an end as well. 
But John is not on the podcast, so that is our quick football segment. Jason Garrett, though, still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. One eight seven seven, let's run. Option, what is it, Robert? One eight four four, let's run. I think it's option seven, but it goes through then tells you how to reach us directly on our cell phones. I think on number three. Do you think Jason will be fired, Well then? He will be at some point. I heard some rumor today they may keep him on as like a GM or something. That doesn't seem to make sense. Well, may not have been as good as our normal podcast without Jonathan, or maybe it was better. But we appreciate you being with us for the last year, a record-breaking year in terms of page views, in terms of podcasts produced, quality of the podcasts. So 2019 was good. Let's hope to hearing that 2020 is even better. Yep. And give us your feedback. There now is a feedback link in every podcast episode. Well, then, should we give those to the listen and not signed off? It's probably those that are like in their car, though, or something. You know, haven't stopped it in the last few seconds. Folks, big changes coming to the message board in the coming days. Oh, yeah. We will have a cleaner look message board coming soon. Also, John's not here to stop us. All right, Robert. Donald Trump, go. That was a joke. Although I think we should have, I say this, we should have political talk with Eric in Iowa. Or maybe not. Or Until maybe next not. week, guys. Eric in Iowa, he's our web developer. The forums should be improved. He's working on that as we speak. They may be, it may be thrown live to a portion of the Electron.com audience as we speak. And Foot Locker finalist Josh Methner, we will have him on the podcast. In 2020, we promise. And actually, I take that back. We can have my best friend, who's my former Hillary Clinton speechwriter on, if we do politics, to round it out. Although I think she and the web planner were both very left. So we're just kidding, folks. Until next week, Robert Johnson signing off. Who says we don't reward our loyal listeners? We just realized we didn't talk about Mary Kane. Mary Kane is back. I guess, is, is this the first race of 2020 or the last race of 2019? Doesn't the gun go off at 12 midnight at Central Park 4 Milers? I think it would be maybe first of 2020, or it could be both. Like, when does the decade start? Is it 12 flat or 12 flat? Oh, one. Robert, I've been receiving some hate mail on Twitter that the decade actually starts next year. There was no year zero, so we're all years early in celebrating. It's like with Y2K, you're supposed to celebrate in Y2K1. So I think you're right, though. If it starts at Mid, oh, it's called Midnight Run, so that means it starts at midnight. A little logic here to figure this out. But Mary Kane running the four-mile run in Central Park, second place. 21.43. To me, I'm excited that she's running again. There was a nice photo of her and after the race with a smile on her face, so that's good. But to me, I, I can't take anything away from this fitness-wise. I mean, I act like it's some big jump forward. Not everyone. Some people act like that. She ran 21.50 in a Central Park four-miler in May. So short of her, like, being in a different segment of her training, it doesn't look like a big leap forward. Now, maybe running at midnight, probably not going for a PR in the 30-degree weather. So it's certainly not a step backwards from where she was in May. But I don't know. Until, unless I have more proof, I, I would like to know more moving forward. I think she was on the Sidious Mag podcast last week. So maybe I'll turn to that. What do you think, Weldon? Yeah, it's not a big leap forward. I mean, for me, the sort of big things, I mean, Mary Kane was one of the most influential people in the sport this past year, just from that New York Times piece. And some of that's just because of the Times as well and Lindsey Krauss, but sort of that thing took off like nothing else in the sport. 
And I think it sort of freed Mary. She just now is more open, talking about things. Maybe she's actually relevant. People are talking about her again. But maybe, I don't know, I think like in the past she felt like she couldn't talk about her running. Now it just seems like people are like, yeah, just enjoy it. Clearly her goal is still to be a top professional runner. Most likely that doesn't happen. But I'm glad to see her out there having fun. If she can just enjoy the process and not force something, who knows what she can do. I mean, she's obviously, at one point, was one of the most talented female runners ever in America, high school runners. and But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're one of the pros. I mean, I, even look at the men's side, somebody like, I don't know, Michael Granville or something. Just because you're a high school phenom does not mean you're a professional phenom. But I think seeing the mature, happy Mary Kane is kind of a cool thing because of... I mean, just when you think back, like this little girl with a stuffed animal was thrown into the Alberto Salazar thing. Like it was just, it was so bad. Um, and even just on Let's Run, how she, she was treated. I, I mean, people say oh, a lot of people are treated poorly, but like as a high school kid, it's different. Galen Rupp got some of the same treatment and he turned out, you know, ended up being one of the America's best evers. But just I, I, on a personal level, I'm glad to see her happy because just to go through that meat grinder and be scrutinized at such a level, if, if she can just run and enjoy it, good for her. Uh, yeah, this run doesn't mean anything. I think it's kind of cool she's actually racing. Just do some of these local things. See where you're at. Not Don't be afraid of not being at the level you weren't at. Just go out there, run some races, and see where you are at the end of the year. Does she make the – you know, I think at this point, if I was a betting man, I had to make bet whether she makes the – Olympic trials? I say no. I don't even know what the cutoffs are for are for women in the eight and fifteen, but uh, I don't think she'll hit them. I agree. But if anyone else who I'm betting doesn't make the trials, her upside's much better than anyone I'm putting in that same category. Who I say is most likely not to make the trials. I, I, for the, the other people in that group, I don't leave out the possibility that, that they could become a sub four fifteen hundred meter runner. Now, I know you really don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either, but just with that talent, the possibility, could she ever get it all together? I mean, I don't know how long Mary Decker's you know, decline was. I think it's it's cool to see her happy in Instagram racing and that sort of thing. Yeah, the standards are pretty tight, Weldon. USATF often pisses me off. They have three rounds, and yet again, USATF, if you're listening to this podcast, this is absurd. The standards are 2025 and 406 flat. The field size are 32 for the 8 and 30 for the 1500. There is absolutely no reason for them to have 30 for the 1500. They generally run three rounds of the 1500. So that means from the first round, they go from 30 to 24. That is disgraceful. I don't understand how these people in charge mess it up every year. Give To me, you should cut it down in half. Go 48, 24, and then 12. You give an extra 18 people the joy of saying they're an Olympic trials qualifier. You make the rounds mean something instead of watching a field where after scratches, maybe two or three people will be eliminated. But those are some pretty stiff standards to make the Olympic trials. What are the standards again? 2025 and 406 flat. Ooh, wow. I assume those are the auto standards, so they'll probably fill the field if they go down. But you are right. It's nuts to go from 30 to 24. USATF, this could be a revenue opportunity. Don't they, they charge people to run the trials? They could jack the price up. 250 bucks. take another 15, another 18 people in the field. They only take 30? I mean, that's just sort of crazy. So that would be 4500 bucks right there extra USATF. And you're going to have so many scratches. If you take 36, it's going to scratch down to like 
or take 48, like I said, at, at least 36, but it probably scratched 36 down. is better. Yeah. Well, I'd rather see you go 48 to 24. You still have to people make it every round. It's not that hard, you know, to do. I, I would just say the top half in the field are in. Everyone else go home. So, anyways, I mean, this year there were 15 women under 406 in the six, under in the U.S. under 406. So, there you have it. Your Mary, weekly Mary Kane update. Yep. And now we're really signing off. Next week, Jonathan Galt is back. Thank you, everybody.